strap in and hold on tight as we get high on the roller coaster that is life. We're your hosts, Milena and Jordan, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss all kinds of topics, experiences, tips, and tricks to help you roll through life with some sense of direction, and at the very least, fake it till you make it. This week on Life-O-Rama, we are talking about musical authors, composers, who have really made a big impact in the musical slash Broadway world. The the snobby, as you should say, the true art <laughs> of acting. You know, Broadway. The true art you know, Broadway. it's all good. Which, you know, I can I can applaud anybody who can do that because that's dancing, singing and acting all while trying and not, not to die. Edited. <laughs> and not edited like real time. Yeah. Like, you don't get another take. This is it. This hopefully is your it. makeup doesn't run into your eye, and hopefully no one forgets you and all this crazy stuff. So hopefully your brain's working properly. Exactly, it's terrifying. So I'm really excited about this week's episode, especially because Jordan's going to really talk about. Who are you, you going to be talking about? I'm going to talk about Jonathan Larson. Whoa, whoa! Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, A lot of people should know his work probably not like yeah. unless you're a huge theater nerd you're probably not going to remember like the person who wrote the musical yeah and i know like my brother-in-law and my sister they're huge musical peoples and people when i told them i didn't do them i'm like they like just were like oh yeah this 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 and i'm like the reason i know this is because i was watching rent and i was like i want to do an episode i want to and then I like looked into who wrote it, and I looked into his story, and was like, literally, as I'm watching Rent, reading his story, and I'm just like crying. And I'll get into it deeper when we get in the episode. But it's just like, his Rent honestly is like no day but today, and like that's kind of like we'll talk about it. But yeah, yeah. So I'm really crazy. excited about it, and you know, we'll see how everything goes. Yeah, but I'm super excited. All right, do you want to do hallows for the week? Yeah. So. <clears throat> Um, my brain is now working way better Yay. than last week. Good brain. Um, thank God I had a super crazy day at work on Monday, and I was like, I can't. If my brain would have been the way it was last week, like I don't think I would have got. You would not have it. survived. You yeah. would be like, no. We were really short stopped, and the only other person on the floor than me was someone who's only been there for a few weeks. And he's good, but it's still like that's still that's been too much. Weeks. Yeah, that's too much to just like throw yeah. somebody who's like that fresh. Yeah. Like a couple months, okay, come on. But like a week's <laughs> don't want to throw yeah. yeah. Um so that's been <laughs> kind of like a high for me is like my brain's working. I'm getting stuff done around the house, really getting ready for my trip, which is like I leave in a it's week from tomorrow, up. so, I mean, we're recording last week from when you're listening this, <laughs> so by the time you listen to this, it'll be one day until I leave. She is going to be a time traveler and uh, yeah. somehow be in two places at once. Back it's and fine. forth. I'd be everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm thankful that my brain is working properly. Oh, sorry, I'm tired. Uh, low. Um, I've been I've been working. <laughs> I had yesterday off, and I think that my only day off before I leave will be will be Monday, uh, or I mean Sunday, and I'll work all next week leading up to when I'm leaving. And so that's 
kind of stressful, but Just also like I'm trying to make sure that I am making as much money as possible before I go because I do not get PTO. Server life. But yeah, um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a million things. Oh, I finally watched Inside. I meant to say oh. that. I finally watched it. And when I went to it. Is it, it not just a work of art? Oh my God. So it when is I went just to a it, fucking work it had, of art. It was like, uh, resume watching. I was like, oh, awesome. Did you watch this? He was like, yeah, I just didn't think it was that funny. I was like, everyone has said it's good. Like, literally everyone. Like, yeah, no one. After I, you told me, somebody else mentioned it and like, You've already you already seen like TikToks from it. I'm already obsessed. Everybody's obsessed. So I watched it while I was folding my laundry, and I was just like, Sarah, like you don't. I'm like, how do you? What do you mean? It's not like, only funny, but it's like gut wrenching. And there's like it's breaking, like, like oh my god, just oh my god, the, the, the thought, the accountability. <laughs> oh my god, the thought process that went and into every, and he did this all himself. All wrote, himself, direct. Edited light, like Literally, everything. He did absolutely everything, and like when I he, told he Austin, fucking deserves an when Oscar. I, when I told Austin that, he was like, "Well, he had some time on his hands." I was like, "What did you? What did you do? What did you do during lockdown?" Like, and were you alone in a room by yourself for over a year? Because I'm pretty sure you weren't. Right. You had someone to break that company up. I really love the ending of it. Oh, beautiful. I'm going to watch it again, but I was like... We're going to watch it for like like the third or fourth time. I mean, I've always, always been a Bo Burnham fan. Same. Always. And I don't know. I was like... I knew right away when he did the white woman's Instagram, I knew right away where he was going with this. 100. 100%. I was like, he's... he's The white woman Instagram, and then I was like, "Oh my god!" But but like uh, even yeah. that song where it seems like he's poking fun at all these things, he's just like, "Let them enjoy what they want to enjoy." Because even yeah. though, even though they have those posts, they're still their cinema. This is still their posts. They're still people. And that when he goes I in on about, about the mom, one of, yeah. like when he goes on that spiel, that's what I was getting was just like, "Hey, you may make fun of them because they do these trendy, goofy things, but like this is still a human being who's going through some shit." Yeah. Like, I leave just, him alone. But then at the same time, it's everywhere, so it's kind of hard not to laugh at it. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's brilliant humor. It's, it's not... He, there's just so many, and that's, like, the thing... I'm like, probably overthinking it. He's probably like, nah, this bitch just keeps posting tiny pumpkins. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's probably... This shit has like, always had so many layers to it. So many layers. And it's always been, like, really, like, quick-witted and... So a lot of times self-deprecating. Did he not look like, like, seriously, as it went on, he looked less and less like Bo Burnham. Like, the, when he the got the long hair, he, the, the 30, guitar. The 30s song, that was the one that I was like, oh, fuck. Because, like, this year I've really been like, I'm, I'm Everybody feels that way when you hear And I, I don't know. Like, my mom told me 26 or 7 was hard for her. And someone, my stepdad was like, 33 for me. And, and I don't know if it's just because my body is feeling it or the fact that like I'm not getting carded anymore but I'll I'll tell you a couple of things about 30 one is being a millennial especially like being a millennial especially we were thought that if you don't have your shit together by 30 then you were a failure yeah and so that's in our heads every millennial is going to feel like a a, like I wanted to do this before I was 30 but I didn't like and like I've always felt like 30 is young but it's like it it is 
And yeah. let me tell you this. When I turned 30, it was kind of terrifying. But 30 is also when you get your Saturn's return. And I'm just, the know, Saturn, I'm when Saturn returns. For, maybe 29 is worse I'm, than 30. I'm 100% we'll serious. When your Saturn returns, which usually takes about 30 years or so, it, like, literally is a great reflection of, like, what needs to happen. And you can just find... I, I feel more in my groove now than I did when I was in my 20s. And I'm, like, yeah. halfway through my 30s. And yeah. when he was, like, singing that, I was like... I felt that exact same way when I was turning 30. I, I was like, what am I doing? I'm 30 and this, and I'm not married, and I'm working here, and this is terrible. Like, it was, it was stupid. And, you know, after I turned 30, I was just like, fuck it. I'm happy with where I'm at. Who ha- yeah, who we'll says see. that I have to I follow feel like this I have rule? A lot and of good things. better things yeah. have happened in the last five years as soon as I let that stress go. Yeah. Of, I need it happen when I'm in, in, in. It's like after that happened, I was like, well, fuck it. Nothing's changed. I feel like I'm in one of the best places I've ever oh. been. And 30s is I'm the best. I'm really excited, but I also like felt that song very oh. deeply. <laughs> I did too, 100%. You know, I just didn't realize I was only four years older than him because like, I always knew he was about the same age as me, just because of like I watched him on YouTube before he had any well, specials. Uh, right, yeah. right, and like so when I saw him on YouTube, he looked like a young kid because I was in my early twenties and he was just becoming yeah. a late teen. So like that age difference oh, seems like, really that jarring. Gap is, yeah, but it's not because now I'm like, oh, you're only thirty. Like you're only four years younger than me. Okay, that's not as like weird. I thought you were like. Seven. I've always thought that he looks good, but the one. The one, I can't even remember, maybe it is the accountability one. I'm like, oh my God. And where he's like, just when he's all sweaty. Underwear, I was like, whoo! It's like, oh my God. Adam and I, I it's great. Anyway, <laughs> we are promoting, Bo, if you ever need anybody to promote your work, we're fangirls. Love yeah. it. I you met you once me when you were in. Uh, I met you once when you were in uh, Omaha, and I just said I followed you on Twitter because I'm a massive nerd and I don't know how to talk to people. But in reality, I think you're amazing. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Thank he you totally know. listens to this. He's yeah. like, oh, that podcast is back. Yeah. He's like, wow, I can't wait. He's with the popcorn right now, just yeah. eating. Like this is. He's listening to my our comedy that we brought out today, yeah. and he's just like, wow. He's just like. <laughs> He's like, I think I'm a comedy genius. Yeah. These two broads. These guys. They got it going on. Imagine thinking that you're funnier than you are. That's what that is. That's what this is. He really is impressed by us. Super impressed. He's writing about it in his journal. Yeah. It's fine. He's telling his therapist about us. Yeah. <laughs> two white women in a podcast. <coughs> Not talking about dead people. All the time. Yes. I mean, we talk about dead people, but usually it's not because of a gruesome murder. It's because yeah. they just happened to be icons that died. Yeah. Which sounds worse. I'll stop talking now. Jordan, yeah. would you like to go into... <laughs> do you want to do high lows or are we oh, just yeah, going to go that. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm all day. I'm like, I have to say that I watched it. I know. I'm, girl, I'm, I'm glad. I could talk about it for like an hour. It's great. That's yeah. all this is. JK, we're not talking yeah. about... <laughs> this is not Life-O-Rama. This is Bo Burnham's Two White Podcast Girls friends fangirls <laughs> we're not getting anywhere today um high lows for the week uh low i had someone try i okay so the rental company that the landlord kind of goes through mm-hmm. they called me and they were just like hey he kind of wants to start setting up tours and i'm just like are you like in my head i'm just like we both work from home. I'm in train, and I literally said this to them. I was like, 
We both work from home. We're home all the time. Also, there's boxes everywhere. There's no good room to see anything. And they were just like, oh, it's fine. They just need to see it. I'm like, with my shit everywhere? I think the fuck not. I'm also going to be in training. I don't want people trying to fucking talk to me because I'm in training. Like, no. no. So, Adam. And Adam, you can wait a week. Well, right. I'm just like, literally a week. Wait a week. Wait a week. Maybe clean the place. <laughs> like, maybe get some of the shit that you have in there. As a, Like, he basically uses his storage unit. It's just fucking so stupid. It's just, and it, whatever. I never have to deal with him ever again after this. But it was just like, are, you've got to be shitting me. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let me talk to my husband. I'll get back to you. I haven't got back to them. I'm like, I have four fucking days left in this house. You can eat a dick. Yeah. Guess what? You can come on the 30th when I'm done. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, you can wait. They were like, I just know I need to give you 24-hour notes. What would be a good time for you to, you know, just go to the door and answer it? I'm like, never. That's when's a good time when for I'm me. When I'm not here. When I never have to come back into this crazy house again and I don't have to walk up that annoyingly blue sidewalk. I would, I would make a sign. Adam actually made a sign that said uh, COVID, like, sick with COVID variant (laughs) inside. (laughs) He had three signs up, and I was like, don't fucking freak out the mailman. Like, we're not toxic people. And Adam's like, work for your mom. I'm going to fucking do it. Your mom? Well, at the beginning of COVID, her landlord in Colorado decided to sell the duplex that she said. So just sell it to somebody to take over the rental property. And a realtor was trying to get people to tour her house and my mom is high high I remember you told yeah, yeah and she's super this. high risk and so she was like they just said just sick cannot come inside you know like or sick inside or something yeah. like that and they'll leave you alone because you did all the protocols and I loved it because oh my god Rachel just like chewed out the realtor so hard when he was like trying to like basically almost bullying my mom into letting people come into her oops sorry and down. and Rachel literally just like unleashed the gates of hell and I love it because Rachel is terrifying when she does this especially because she's very eloquent and she can eviscerate you with her words yeah um and you know just she's in the medical field not like in the sense of a doctor but she still had to do all the ins and outs I mean that's why she can prescribe certain medications because she understands how it happens to the entire body like all of that so she's like i know what the fuck i'm talking about let me tell you why you're fucked if you think you're going in there basically it's just like i love you rachel but so adam was like fuck that it worked for often it's gonna work for us and i'm just like yep okay cool whatever just and you he was like, I'm going to make, also make that list that Sean wants us to do of, like, all the things wrong with the house. So to give him a list of to-dos, he's like, I'm going to type it up and stick it right on the door, too, just in case they try and come by. I'm like, Adam, oh, my God, you are petty. He is. I love you. He is. I have to, like, calm him down because I'm like, I also don't want someone coming after my ass. So I'm like. I would do the list, though. I mean, oh, he wants the list, so we're going to have it. And when we leave, I think we're going to take it on the front of the door so everybody can see it. And, yeah. It's fine, because he's like, it's just ridiculous. It's just so stupid. And we're just like, four more days. We got this. So that's the high. Four more days. Four days. We go through our final walkthrough tomorrow, um, where we're going to measure all the rooms like that need the big measurements, like bedrooms, the office, everything else can, because of how open like the living room is and other things like that, we can kind of fudge those. But like, 
the upstairs is really what we need to measure and focus on and do all of that. So we're going to do that. And then we're going to buy new locks, <laughs> buy two more cat carriers. And then literally I'm probably going to be up for like 72 hours just doing nothing but packing and organizing. Yay! So <clears throat> very exciting. Nerve-wracking, but very exciting. We made it. Adulthood, what is this? So we're just excited, especially because we're like, we're going to throw the most bitchin' Halloween parties at that house. Dude, can't wait. I mean, it looks kind of spoopy because it has, like, trees, and it's like, ah, oh, it has the best thing. Trees that are, like, kind of covering part of the house, like, from the road. You guys can't see me, but I'm putting my hands up she's, like I'm a She's spooky, a very spooky tree. tree. She's I'm very spooky. tree shadows. <laughs> spooky tree shadows. <laughs> <laughs> Those spooky tree shadows. Yeah. They're like, you want to hang upside down oh. from my branches? <laughs> yes. Not so scary. <laughs> Don't know what accent that is, so sorry if I'm making fun of anybody. All right. But yeah, pretty simple. Mostly my low was having dealing with bitch asses trying to ruin my life for the last four days. I have to deal with this. I'm going to keep saying four days because I'm like, four days. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And it feels weird because we're so. We have to wait until, like, the last moment to tear down, like, all of our work stuff. So, like, it still feels like there's so much yeah. to do, but there really isn't. So, we're, like, we're in this, like, hurry up, wait. What do we do? What do we do? What do yeah. we do? So, it's fine. I know by Sunday we're going to have everything prepped. Monday we have a game plan. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So, exciting we're doing stuff. It. But tell me about this uh, gentleman here. Jonathan Larson. Jonathan Larson. Jonathan Larson was born February 4th. I'm December 4th. Melina is January 4th. John is February 4th. Um, In White Plains, New York. Um, He kind of grew up doing, you know, all the drama clubs, music lessons. Uh, He played the tuba in high school and attended... Adelphi University in Garden City, New York. Um, he wanted to originally actually be an actor. Hmm. But Stephen Sodheim, who, if you don't know this name, is very huge, huge in the musical. You, you've heard of one of his musicals, whether you know yeah, it and, or not. Yeah, so he wrote Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, and... Um, Larson was a huge fan of his and he actually reached out to him and they had communication and he was kind of almost like a mentor to him. Um, so he encouraged him to focus on composing and, um, you know, he, that was somebody who, like I said, he would give him input and he would always like send him kind of, you know, some of his, um, playwrights and stuff to just kind of get, his that's amazing that like your hero is there to help you. Yeah, I'm like, like that's what that just that sounds like a fairy tale. Just like, like fuck right off. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, but it also just shows rude. like one of those things where you're not preying on someone else's downfall. Like mm-hmm. you want everybody to kind of have that breakthrough, and especially like when you see potential in somebody oh, yeah. like that. I think that's great camaraderie for sure. Um so one of his first um Musicals he wrote was called uh, Suburbia. Wait, wait, hold on. Sorry. Um, that's not what it's called. I wrote it down wrong. Superbia? 
superb. Yes, yes. So I had to stop and think. I was, I was like, like, that was like, not it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was like supposed to be his baby. That was supposed to be his baby. He he put everything into this. He um, it got super super far. Like it was, you know, they had people. It was going to be made into a musical, um, and he had you know blood, sweat, and tears. And then you know, at the last minute, it did not happen for him. And as you know, anyone who has worked really hard on something and you don't really have that payoff and you felt like it was all for nothing, um, that's hard to do. That's hard to kind of take that pill and swaddle, especially, like, now that we've seen a lot of his other work. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, everybody's... It, and I think that's an important thing to know, too. Like, even though it could be your baby and you think this is going to be the end of it, just know, like, no... A failure is an option, and it's okay because they're telling you no for a reason, and now it's up to you to figure out that reason and push yourself where you go, I thought yeah. this was my best, but they're telling me, no, this isn't my best. Now I and have to do my later best. Later we find out that um, it's actually because he, and we'll see this when we get into like kind of how Rent came about, but he and his brain had a very specific th- way of how he wanted things to be. Mm-hmm. And if they weren't that way, like he would bump heads with a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And that's like overall one of the main reasons why it didn't get made and Actually, with rent, it almost didn't get made. And, you know, people are telling him, like, hey, sometimes you just need to... Swallow that pill and shut the hell up. Yeah. And <laughs> with, with that, relate. there was one night he took somebody's advice and then came back. And he had written one of... He wrote the the male duet in Rent mm. in America. Uh, what is it? Uh, it's the one with Mark and... I, I can't remember all of that, unfortunately. I can't remember the name of the song, but... So, like, he... Towards the end um, of making... Getting Rent to where... Because it almost felt like with that, it almost wasn't going to make it, too, because he kind of just was like, no, this I want it. And I understand that, like, when you do have this, like, project and it's your baby and you, like, you want it a certain way, but... Mm-hmm. um Obviously, with the downfall of that, that, that's actually what brought out Tick, Tick, Boom. <sighs> Which is, um, I didn't I, get produced till after he, after he had passed, which we'll get into him passing tick, later. Tick, boom is literally, to me, in my eyes, I like it better than Rent. Personally, yeah. I think it's a little bit more raw. I think it's a little bit more real. And I think it's a little bit more relatable. I love what Rent yeah. it did, and I'll let you continue. Well, I mean, but it's I just an autobiography. Like, exactly. And it's so like you, he did that whole rock monologue. By, he did perform it one time before he passed because he wrote that before he wrote Rent. Oh, yeah. I mean, like. And then eventually some people came in and they like made it kind of more into like not a one-man act and kind of mm-hmm. changed uh, it a little bit. But it's still like all the writing and the songs and everything is still his writing. And they keep, yeah, and like what I've seen. From the productions, they try and keep it to like just a three man crew and yeah. just very minimal cast, and it's really beautiful. And that's all I want to say. I'll let you get into rent because oh, I know okay. we'll discuss rent. Like we can, we're I'm talking about Tick Tick Boom right now. But like so. Tick Tick Boom, I just yeah fucking love the music, it, and it just hits differently. It really does. And um, Superbia was originally um, going to be a futuristic 
retelling of uh, 1984. Mm-hmm. So there are, like, one of the song. there are, like, some of those songs that have then been, like, you can find the music and stuff for this production. Like, it went all, it almost was made. And so that's where Tick, Tick, Boom came from. And he had changed the name of it for a little, a few times because originally it was like boho days because I mean he was a, he was literally a starving artist until the day that he died mm-hmm. and he worked in a cafe which in Tick Tick Boom mm-hmm. he works in a cafe and I have heard life imitates art like one thousand percent in that play like everything they talk about everything. money struggles they talk about the the hardships of being a playwright and wanting to do that they talk about the the strange that like connection that you can have while working and trying to do everything that you're trying to achieve while balancing friendships and I think that's why I love it because it really is just like this is a representation of someone's passion though because this is what they really want to do. You know he literally took that that anger from the failure and put it in tick tick boom. And you can see the hunger for like this is what I want. Yeah. This is me, and I'm going to show you why this is me. And he—that was something. Tick, tick, boom came because that was something that he always, um, he always before he even wrote that with everything, he always just felt like, you know, he was always on the edge of success, mm-hmm. and there's always something in his brain. He always had a tick, and gotta you know, go, gotta figure. Yeah, just yeah, like on the verge, something there. And then after I told Melina that I wanted to do Jonathan Jonathan Larson, they are making a movie. Of it's Tick, Tick, so Boom. funny. Like we literally talk about. I go, <laughs> she, she tells me I want to do him because he did it. It's great. And I was like, oh, Tick, Tick, Boom's great. And she goes, I just read about that. Oh my god, they're making a movie. Yeah, and the <laughs> the trailer for it was released like the day that I had mentioned it to her, or like the day before. And I'm like, how do we keep doing this? Um, but very Andrew, Andrew uh, Garfield. I know. Garfield is going to be um, Jonathan. Going to be Jonathan. So you can go find that trailer. Mm-hmm. It's on mm-hmm. IMBD and um, Lynn Manuel. What is Lynn Manuel Miranda? Miranda. He also helped write the screenplay for. The, and I believe he is. This is his like debut directorial, like for movies. Ooh. I think it's his movie directorial debut. Nice. Words are hard. Words I got them hard. out of order. I'm sorry. <laughs> Four days, no. Yeah. Four days. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking up. <laughs> um, so now we're going to go into Rent. Um, this was... Yeah, everybody knows Rent. Everybody like, knows it Rent. Fucking, like, and as the reason soon as why it hit. This, like, I originally wanted to do him in pride and then we decided to kind of change it and do a musical because of how much light rent did shine on the new york community and the aids epidemic and how it was affected and even though rent was originally made to be a more modern version of um updated version of la not be bohem lobby not lobby just la bohem i always want to say lobby i know just la bohem no no i'm going italian i'm going to italian stop it um and a lot of those characters were inspired by characters from la bohem but um that the aids piece of it and how it was how it Mm -hmm. was huge and it affected that community and in it shows other yeah. communities that were equally affected that got turned a blind eye because, unfortunately, it was seen more as a 
and I hate to say it this way, but gay issue yeah. or part of the, you know, homosexual issues where it was like, this is, this is just a disease, just like any other disease. It's affecting one group more than others. That doesn't mean it's, they deserve this. Yeah. And, Horrifying. Um, okay. So originally he had a co-writer and then he was like, you know, I think I have, like, a really good idea for this. And so he kind of, the, um, let me see if I have my notes who it was going to be with. Um, Billy Arneson. Because it, it was originally kind of his idea. And then um, somebody, a mutual person was like, hey, let me give you this guy. I think he'd be a great fit. Mm-hmm. Um and then eventually, you know, I said he's not the best with working with others. And he kind of had, and I'm the same way. It's like sometimes, not always, like I work great with others. But like if I have a project it's and hard someone's to helping, go. helping me, yep. it's like, okay, actually, let me just do it. You're doing it wrong. Um, and not, not that he was doing it wrong, but he just wanted to make sure that he also had But we credit. all have our, our, yeah. our particular way. And especially yeah. if you're like really dedicated to a project, it's hard to release any kind of control because you just see it that way. Yeah. You just keep. This is yeah. how it needs to be done. I get that that works for you, but no, we're never going to do it that way. And it's like, that's not how it works. <laughs> and, um, Jonathan related a lot to the character Mark because he also was in and out of a relationship who she had, you know, she was Maureen. Mm. She, you know, either was always looking the other way to a man or eventually left him for a woman. So, like, even in Rent, he does have a lot of his own stories because that's kind of, like, how he was living, too. Like, he had a, you know, he was, like I said, a starving artist. He was living in poverty in New York City trying to make it. In the 80s, which was, like, the most... And people will say this, too. Like, that was when New York was the scariest because literally things were just insanity. And, of course, that has a lot to do with just how the city was run back then. Yeah. And how impoverished they made all of their citizens. Not like it's 100% better now. But it was, I mean, any documentary you see, it doesn't matter what it is. It was like, it was a hard fucking time. It was like, for a reason. It was... There's a lot. I mean, if you think about it, it was just a, like what maybe a decade or two after the probably the the stop of the Harlem Renaissance, because yeah. like that would have been like sixties yeah, when like the I'm Harlem to, Renaissance yeah. was kind of fading out. And then ah, I, I mean, mean you had like things. the black the the Great Blackout in New York, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Not, I think that was late seventies. And then you had the Summer of Sam in the seventies, and that was like the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was like almost practically the same. And year. then people just went haywire yeah but so i mean like it was a hard time i mean it was not the greatest for a lot of people and you also had like a huge recession in the 80s as well oh reaganomics yeah so there's a lot um okay where was i uh he saw himself in mark a lot yeah and you see like um I can't, why can't, Roger, I wanted to say Richard. Roger, he was an artist who, like, couldn't finish a song, and Mark was, like, a, like, he did films and stuff, so, like, you see all these different kinds of, you know, I feel like he sheds a lot more on, like, their backstories, because they're very similar, they're him, just pieces of him. Yeah, but also, in La Boheme, you have those characters, so they are tweaked to be more modern to fit that, but 
he also kind of puts a little bit of himself in those characters as well. Which just makes them more human in the end. And, you know, I feel like everyone knows the opening song to Rent. And there's also, like, No Day But Today, La Vie Boheme, like... The Tango Maureen. The Tango Maureen, yes. Um, Take Me or Leave Me. There's, Mm -hmm. like, so many good ones. Won't you light my candle? Yeah. I told Melina that, like... Rent, the movie came out, like, when I was, like, right in high school. I think, like, my freshman year, maybe my sophomore year. I was in college, so that makes sense. Yeah. And I was just, like, I listened to it, like, front to back all the time. Again, like I said, my sister is also a huge musical person, and she's a couple years older than me, so I feel like that kind of influences me as well. And so when I was watching it and, like, looking into it, like, I did not know all this about the writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jonathan, finally, like, it was becoming real for, like I said, for a little bit, it seemed like it wasn't actually going to be produced. Um, and then towards, I think, two weeks before it actually got produced, he finally he quit his job at the cafe and was like, this is happening, like, I'm going to make it. Um, and Larson passed unexpectedly, the night slash morning of Rent's first premiere performance off of Broadway. So at that time, it was at um, New York's... I feel stupid. The Theater Workshop, which is a lot where a lot of plays... Like, mm-hmm. A lot of plays start, and then they go to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like the first step. Yep. Um, he suffered a... Kind of like an aneurysm, but it's a little bit different. And he'd actually gone to the doctor a couple different times because he knew something, like, wasn't quite right. And they said that if it would have been diagnosed correctly, he would have been cured. So that's, like, also kind of heartbreaking because it's not like it was something that was ignored. Like, he was like, there's something wrong. There's something going on with me. And they just, they thought it was one thing and it turned out to be another. They just told him, like, it was was stress because he was, like, he had severe chest pains, dizziness, shortness of breath, and they... He said that it was stress because of the show and stuff, which... Makes um, sense. A erotic dissection? Mm, so it was like a an aneurysm in the heart? Yes. So if they would have caught it before it turned into a big enough clot where they couldn't operate without fear of it, I know exactly what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know all about that. So... I know someone else who, yeah. Originally, um, so his family was still in the audience. His parents were in the audience. Um, the They really just wanted to read it and not do the full production the first night just to kind of honor him. Um, but then by Levy Bohem, they, like, couldn't, and they, like, literally the whole cast was, like, crying through all of this because obviously he's there with them through all of it to make his vision become real right right um and then you see it's almost like that foreshadowing of you know like i said no day but today um and you know you kind of just have to give it your all and you see a lot of it's almost eerie the way like his life worked out he got his fame right after he died like and 
even Tick Tick Boom didn't become big until Mm-mm. the early 2000s. Yeah, no, 100%. I didn't even hear about and it Rent. until after Rent was like a big deal. Yeah. And then they were like, what other Jonathan Larson did be? You know, like, and yeah. that's where they dig out any old scripts that they had, anything that was like, could this possibly be the next Rent? Can we still make money off of this? Yeah, so Rent started off Broadway in 93, and then it didn't get to Broadway till 96. Um, but when by, that happened in the early 2000s, let me tell you, when there was a fucking boom, there huge. was a boom. There was a boom. It, it was, was a just as boom. big as, uh, and I'm just going to mention it was, it was almost as big. A, it was like as a big a deal as Hamilton. Like that's how big huge. this swept thing. It, it was, was like cats. Like yeah. you've never seen anything Lion like King, this before. Wicked. Like it was big. huge. Like and where it hit mainstream yeah. big. And it brought a lot of different discussions that, like, especially in that community mm-hmm. of performers, like, there's a lot of, um, you know, we have a lot of LGBTQ plus in mm-hmm. that community. Mm-hmm. And then to actually, like, be able to go on stage and you feel like your story is being told, even though it may not be. Or a friend of yours, your yeah. father's, your, yeah. you know, anybody. And, yeah, it was kind of by the... By the late 90s, the AIDS epidemic wasn't quite as big as it was in the late 80s, it, early it 90s. It quote-unquote petered out a little bit, but really kind of just got lost in the cupboard. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but he, for his work on Rent, Larson um, was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. He got a Tony Award for Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical and Best Original Score. Posthumously? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the Drama Desk Awards for Outstanding Book of a Musical, Outstanding Music, and Outstanding Lyrics. Uh, the New York Drama Critic Circle Award for Best Musical. The um, Outer Critic Circle Award for Best Musical in the Off-Broadway category. And the OB Awards for Outstanding Book, Outstanding Lyrics, and Outstanding Music. So, um... It's not a big deal. I mean, like, it's just a little blip. Just a couple. Just a couple things. And, ah, I might cry. It's just, like, sad that he didn't get to see, like, what impact he had. Mm -hmm. And, like, this is all he ever wanted. And he, like, literally died the day before it went live. Which is just, like... Just... It's crazy. It is. It is. Sorry, guys. I'm a little watery bitch, but I don't know. It's. I mean, like, I think his story is really an interesting one, too, because it really shows you that no matter what, you can make an impact. It doesn't matter if you don't think you you will or anything like that. And just, I mean, I can't wait. I haven't seen Tick, Tick, Boom. I've just, like I said, I've heard some of the music and I've, like, read into it and... I've watched the preview for the movie coming out, and, like, I'm really excited to see that because, um, yeah, I feel like it'll kind of shed more Mm -hmm. light, even though, like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I just wish that he would have been able to see... At least once. At least once. Yeah. Yeah. See the vision. Because that's always the hard part, when you do all this hard work, and then you don't even get a chance to see the outcome of it. Like, you get left on a project, or you move, or, you know... Or this happens. It's just like, yep. Yeah, I mean, know. I'm I'm glad that his parents still got to see what, mm-hmm. like, how big it was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, I mean, he did do a little bit of writing for other things before he did pass. Like, he did a little, like, he did stuff for, like, Sesame Street and Land Before Time. Oh, I love that. An American Tale. So, he did Like, Fievel? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Fievel goes west with the shirt. Yeah, so, and he also, like, um, yeah, he helped, he helped with a lot of different things. All but, of Fievel. I'm just like, yeah. no wonder Fievel slaps so hard. <laughs> But yeah, so um, that's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I think the coolest thing about him too is that he, when he wrote Rent, it wasn't just you know trying to find a niche or anything like that. He made it purposeful on bringing attention to the AIDS epidemic because he had a friend, a very close friend, yes. like basically a brother kind of a friend, get AIDS. And he was so upset, and obviously his friend passed because it's a very quick thing. It's either long and drawn out or it's quick. You never know the time you have. And it really inspired him to interject that into Rent to make sure that their voices were heard because it was being swept under the rug, and it was affecting not only the community and the people who were obviously getting sick and dying, but the people who cared about them as well, and what that leaves behind and why we need to pay attention to it. So it had a lot of impact in the backside of it, and I think it's just beautiful that he made sure to honor his friend and his legacy by just making sure to bring that awareness to the forefront. And he did it in a way that brought it to the attention of... The LGBTQ plus community, but also, you know, this is head related. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, hey, you may not be afflicted this way, but there's other ways that this can happen. You know, like, it can happen to anybody you care about and love. And just having that empathy for, I don't know, for any human being that's going through struggles like that. And I feel like we're obviously in a different place now, but I feel like if we... Obviously, I think now we know that there's a lot of uh, better options when it comes to fighting AIDS, and it's almost, like, preventable now, but... Um, well, there was no I sex education, like there was no anything, barely especially, any sex especially for the LGBTQ plus community. There yeah. was, like, nothing, because you can't be that way. That means you're a sinner, and you're evil, and you don't deserve anything. Yeah. You deserve this, and that's just not true at all. But I mean, it was it was the '80s, where as like I've I've said before, like sometimes like I can't even fathom growing up in a time where like n- I know that it's still not everyone is accepted and there's still a long way to go. But like from what I see day to day with the people I surround myself with, it's from- not like that. And so I just think about like how different it would have been if this happened now. That we probably would have seen an an answer and a cure way faster if it would have happened today rather than the 80s. I I would say to an extent, yeah. I mean, obviously that depends on who's president, too. (laughs) It does depend on who's president, but you think, like, a lot of, you know... People don't want, like, millions of, like, hundreds of people to die. Like, they just... Normal human beings don't like that. Right. But we also know that there's fucking fascists out there. Well, and and money talks louder than people... Yeah. That they don't care about or see, right? Um, but no, I I just thought the parallels were really interesting too because it also, for me, was 
I think one of the other impacts of rent was also showing that a lot of people who are in the community face a lot of hatred from the people that are close to them, like family. And this yeah. film really showed a way of, it doesn't matter what family was born into, you can choose your family. Because Absolutely. the way this group really came together, it really was a family. And you know, a lot of that probably stemmed from being hated on, being bullied, being kicked out, being thrown out, trying to survive, especially in the 80s. I mean, you heard Sylvia Rivieras in the 60s and 70s. I can only imagine that it was any, any better in the 80s, especially because we were still fighting just as hard. So it's, I thought that that was a really poignant idea. Like, yes, of course, it's kind of modeled after this, and it's a little bit of like, yeah, we're going together. But it's also a parallel of saying, yeah. like, you can pick your own family. Yeah. I can't remember. Because trust me, I, I have some that I've picked. Wrote. There's like the one, there's one of the, my favorite lines is by Angel in the movie. And uh, I just, I mean, the play too, but like, I actually haven't seen the play, so you guys can judge me, I, but I grew up poor. I'm That's the thing about theater that's really hard too. Sometimes you don't get a chance and you, and yeah. when they tour, you never know when they're going to tour. Right. And especially on your age, like sometimes movies are the only way you can do it or trying to catch like a college production of yeah, it. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, maybe, I don't, I don't know, maybe my mom would have taken me, she, I don't think she would have cared at all about the, like the subject sexuality. matter. It yeah. would have been more about the like, drug use. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the heavy, heavy drug use. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I still was watching that shit in high school. Well, high school, you're a little bit older than what You it was. understand, yeah. like, making those decisions yeah. and the impact that it has more than if you were, like, eight. <laughs> yeah, but again, uh, my mom didn't, you know, take all of us to Broadway. Well, I did go, one of my family friends took me to Les Mis when I was younger, but I don't remember that at all. <laughs> that's a fucking heavy musical. It's I beautiful, but it's heavy. It's all It's, if, for a youngin. I was young. I was in like, elementary school. If you're young, it is. I was young. And yeah. it being almost like an operetta and not truly like, a, I would say, a musical because there's more singing than talking. Yeah. I would say. I remember if being you're, really mad at if, myself. If, if you're honestly. six, you're going to fall asleep, especially with the long ballads yeah. explaining things, especially if you're like, I don't understand half of what they're saying. I don't know these words. Exactly. I barely know the words now. <laughs> I can barely see them I'm a dumb, I'm a dumb bitch. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I'm sure I'll uh, wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, fuck, I forgot to say this. Now, he was, he's a and big important. why did I say that? But... He's a huge. He has a huge impact in the theater world for sure. And I got to see Tick Tick Boom when I was in college. They, um, someone was able to do like a seniorish project or a, a mini project, and they put it on, and it was just three people, and it was a girl and two guys, and that was literally it. One playing Michael, one playing Jonathan, one playing I can't remember the lady's name, Susie, some I don't know, um, but. That was it. That was the entire cast. Yeah. And it was a very minimal set, but they did a great job, you know, interchanging it, making it look like the cafe and then the apartment and then a business place. Like, they really did a great job working with what they had. But I just remember seeing it and just going, oh, my God, this is, like, so much better than I, like, 
had an idea for. Because you hear tick, tick, boom, you're like, what the fuck am I getting myself into? Yeah. And then you watch it, you're like, like, is oh, this shit, like the this musical is to Die Hard? Right, what exactly. Is this? is this a spy movie turned into a musical? musical. <laughs> oh my God. Just singing Christmas carols the entire time. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and but a guy running through a tube. I, I I recommend everybody listening to Tick Tick Boom and to Rent. I mean, I'm sure most people have heard Rent, but if you yeah. haven't heard Tick Tick Boom, I strongly suggest just take the time, sit down, listen to the music because honestly, I do that sometimes with music. That's what I'm saying. I, like I've there's several. We were just talking. And yeah. I was like, there's several musicals I've listened to, and I've listened to the so, music of Tick Tick Boom mm-hmm. when I was doing this research. Um, but there's so many that, like, I'm, like, I know almost every word into every song in the musical that I've never seen or oh, yeah. ever seen a movie to. Like, yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's not a movie, but. Right. No, yeah. 100%. Same way. I have a couple that are like that, too. And I'm not going to lie. I was like that within the Heights until in the Heights came out. Because I just, I obviously fell in love with Hamilton because, oh, my God, Hamilton. And that's another one right there because Tickets were stupid expensive, and I couldn't afford to go last time when they came through town. And I'm my like, sister God, won damn. tickets on the radio or some shit like that. I, oh my and God. my sister's like, up fucking obsessed with Hamilton. Yeah, like yeah. Which one? Amanda. Oh yeah. 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 She has like a Hamilton blanket. Oh my God, it's yeah. like so good. But um, yeah. I just fell in love with it, and I loved it, because sometimes I'm just like, I need new music, I want to see this, and I'm in the mood for a musical, I've heard good things about this, yeah. I'll see how I can vibe out, and of course, like, the first time you hear any music, you kind of take it in, but especially with musicals, because you're trying to hear the lyrics and understand the story, and yeah. then get the story and from it. make this own story in your... Right, and I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that, you can still enjoy the musical and say you love the musical because of the music, because yeah. it really does drive the story along. You yeah. get very minute breaks, like maybe two or three scenes that are just talking, and then the rest are singing. And so you're getting more, you know, yeah. exposition through song than you are from words that are just being spoken. So, I, I yeah. yeah. That's how I feel about it. But do you want to do your first Um, I can just touch base on someone I just think is really uh, cool very minutely like little poquito yeah. here. Just, um, just, it's know, Marcia Norman. Marcia <clears throat> Norman. Yeah, so she was born September 21st, 1947. She is an American playwright, screenwriter, and novelist. Uh, she received the 1983 Pulitzer Prize for Drama for her play, Night Mother. She wrote the book and the lyrics for such Broadway musicals such as Secret Garden, for which mm-hmm. she won a Tony, uh, and the Drama Desk Award uh, for Outstanding Book of a Musical. And the Red Shoes, as well as the libretto for the musical The Color Purple, and the book of the musical The Bridges of Madison County. She is co chair of the playwriting department at the schoolyard, like Juli- Juilliard School. I was like, Juilliard Schoolyard. It's like, Blaine and Al, what are you doing? Schoolyard. Just the yard. I mean, basically, she grew up, um, you know, in Louisville, Kentucky, had some. Uh, she was the oldest of four kids, really into reading and writing music and playing piano, got really into um, acting um, and attending productions at like the Actors Theater of Louisville. Um, she worked as a journalist for the Louisville Times, so she was always like writing. And then, you know, she... Let's see. She taught young children, adolescents, and mental institutions and hospitals. 
There were perhaps her biggest influence on her writing, especially a 13-year-old girl who influenced her play Getting Out. She also taught English at the J. Graham Brown School and Pristonia Elementary School in Louisville. So her first play, Getting Out, was produced uh, at the Actors Theater in Louisville and then off-Broadway in 1979. The play concerned a young woman that just paroled after an eight-year prison sentence for robbery, kidnapping, kidnapping and manslaughter, reflects Norman's experience working with disturbed adolescents in Kentucky Central State Hospital. So, again, kind of bringing into light certain things and no, and still telling the stories of people who yeah. don't normally get their stories told. Um, let's see. With her success of getting out, she let, she moved to New York, continued to write for the actors the uh, write for the Actor Theater of Louisville. Her full length play Circus Valentine was produced at Humana Festival in 1978. The play concerns a traveling circus and its star attraction Siamese twins. Her next play, Night Mother, became her best-known work given its Broadway success and its star-powered uh, star film version. So I have not seen the film version. The play brought... Of what? Of Night Mother. Okay, so, like, yeah, yeah, apostrophe yeah. and then, like, night, like you're yeah. forgetting the good. So, like, Night Mother! I don't know why you sound like a gangster, but you do from the 20s. <laughs> Here Thank you go. You. I do what I can. Um, da, 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 da. The play brought Norman a great deal of recognition dealing, frankly, with the subject of suicide and won uh, the 1983 Pulitzer Prize for Drama, the Susan Smith Blackburn Prize, the whole uh, Werner, the Drama Desk Award, and the 1986 Gold Plate Award of the American Academy of Achievement. However, her follow-up play, Traveler in the Dark, received scathing reviews from the New York critics, some who were as blunt to say she could not have written it like, don't do it. <laughs> uh, according to an interview, Miss Norman stayed away from the theater and turned to screenplays, including 1986 screen adaption to Night Mother, starred Sissy Spacek and Anne Bancroft, uh, and failed to impress critics. So she was high demand in Hollywood, though it was like, mm, maybe, maybe take a breather. You had some luck. Calm it down. So... Uh, she wrote the book and lyrics for *The Secret Garden*, an adaptation of the Francis Hogan's Hoganson or Hodgson's Burnett novel. I can't read. Uh, *The Secret Garden* won a Tony Award for Best Book in 1981. Uh, her work in the musical theater continued with the book and lyrics for uh, the musical *The Red Shoes*. Um, her one-act play *Trudy Blues* was produced on Off Broadway in 1989. Um, and she wrote, the, like I said, the libretto for the musical of The Color of Purple, which opened in Broadway in 2005, receiving a Tony nomination for Best Book of a Musical. So she's definitely had, like, ups and downs in her careers, which I think is great because it really shows that you can have these really high highs, but these low lows. Like, creativity just, it does what it wants. Yeah. And sometimes you think you're going somewhere, and nope. I mean... The difference is that she's obviously been able to experience everything and kind of go with that. Um, but yeah, she's done quite a bit of work. She still, let's see, yeah, she serves on the faculty for Juilliard School in New York City as co-director of Juilliard uh, Lila Asherson Wallace American Playwright Program. That's a lot. And is the vice president of the Dramatists Guild of America. She was honored at the 2011 William Ingrid Ing Festival for Distinguished Achievements in American Theater, which that William Ing 
I, th I think it's Inge um, Festival is like huge. Uh, she will leave uh, Juilliard at the end of twenty oh at twenty twenty academic year, so she's no longer part of Juilliard. But yeah, so I mean, I just thought it was really interesting that she kind of has been bounced around. She's definitely done a lot of interesting work, and I kind of like the fact that her work isn't always just simple, straight representation of like, look at love musical, man, another love triangle between these. It had struggles it had hardships i mean i can't even imagine trying to write the libretto for the music for the color purple like excuse me excuse me <laughs> no sir that's too much pressure because i would not want to disappoint because that story is so beautiful yeah. and it is so sad and it is so just i remember watching it for the first time and i just Shock and awe of I mean, just everything, and and I mean that in the best possible yeah. way because I love those real kind of movies where, you know, they're uncomfortable but they're real uncomfortable, yeah. and it's just like a glimpse of a normal life, good, bad, and different, just a normal life, a day in the life, or you know, years in the life, and I just so to have that kind of like, hey, I'm gonna adapt this and make it work, and you want the music for it? Boop boop boop. No, thank you. With my like, it would sound like way too cheery or way too solemn, and people would be like, "What is happening?" Yeah, <laughs> like I can't, I can't. I literally cannot. So, but yeah, like I said, just little bits. She's still alive, so she, her work has obviously slowed down in the last forty years. Who knows? She might still. I mean, like she still writes here and there. I mean, two thousand five was that? And one, and she was also doing stuff in like twenty fourteen and things of that nature. But I don't think like it's her main focus anymore compared to like starting out and doing like yeah, I want to do some music and I want to do this. I'm yeah. gonna write and this is gonna be great. I think that she really does focus her time on like teaching first and then kind of does like oh you need help with this has that sound that that's great. I feel like she's more of that like a mentor. Mm -hmm. Right now, in this part of her life, I would say, yeah, Love yeah. It. But yeah, that's it. Something super sweet, super simple. But super sweet. Super um, I am curious to hear about everybody's favorite uh, playwright, um, composer, writer, all of the good things, all of the above, the things that go into producing a play. Uh, if it's Stephen Sondheim, awesome. Lin-Manuel, cool. That's totally fine. If it happens to be Jonathan Larson, we would love to know. I'm very curious to see what everybody has to say. Um, so don't forget to leave us a comment about that on our Facebook at Life Rama Podcast and on our Instagram at Life underscore O underscore Rama. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you next week. <laughs> Uh, when we talk about our top five musicals that we love and have seen or have gotten a chance to enjoy, there's so many. I'm probably going to have a lot of like extra just like, we love this one too. But this, 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 it's going to definitely this, be a lighter, fluffier episode for everybody. Yeah, so I might cry. We, I mean, we, we'll always cry. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so tune in next week when we talk about our top five. And just remember... Life's a bitch, don't let it fuck you, and keep rolling on. <laughs>